today, we just want to bring some attention to how that story, that scripture says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the story of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of what he came to do for me and you. Because it says it is the power to number one, the first thing that the power of Jesus is, is he came to save. I tell you, you know, there are a lot of things scientists have tried to do and produce through the years that I'm here to tell you they're never going to be able to do. You know, scientists are never going to be able to produce life. They're never. Because life only comes from God. And, you know, they can put cells together and they can mix them up in test tubes. And they get, but the spirit, the life doesn't come into those things because life only comes from God. The same way that God has the power to bring life, God is the only power that has to save. You know, we live in a day now that says that you can live good enough, you can attend church long enough, you can memorize enough Bible to be able to qualify to be right with God. But I'm here to tell you that if you hadn't been for the cross, you would not have the power to be saved. And if you weren't saved, you would not have the power to find purpose and reason that God has put you here. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you real quick. On point one, our point one is it's the power of salvation. You know, you're never going to live good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be sweet enough. You're never going to get pretty enough to earn or get the right to be saved to go to heaven. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The power of the cross created something. When Jesus went to the cross... It created and released a power into this world that no one has ever been able, although many have tried, to bridge a gap that got man back right with God. When sin happened, we were separated from God. And when that call, that price for separation was that each and every one of us were destined to go to a place called hell. It's crazy the church, 66% of the church nowadays don't believe in hell anymore. But I'm here to tell you, if there's a heaven, the Bible says there's a hell. And you are on your way there if you had not embraced the power of the cross. But the good news, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is this, that he has power to save you. No matter how wretched, no matter how righteous, no matter how religious you've been trying to be, you need to be saved. But the power is available. Let me read this to you. All right? In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says this. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Man, you know, I make a lot of promises that I intend to keep. <laughs> you know, but a lot of times I fall short in those. The Bible says God don't fall slack in His. This is what He says. He says, His promises... It says, as some count slackness, but in long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. This is what God, God doesn't wish or want, or He's not willing to let any perish, but all shall come to repentance. That's God's will for your life, is that you come to repentance and you allow the power that was released on this earth to save you and give you an eternity with the Father in heaven. But you have to understand this power. You know, if we did not plug this screen into the power sockets in this building today, we'd be sitting here looking at a blank screen of just plastic, metal, and bulbs. But the thing about it is we realize to get power 
working and what this thing was created to have working in. We had to plug it in to what the source is. And Jesus is the source of salvation. I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know if you came in here righteous, religious. I don't know if you came in here, you know, being good, sweet, or you came in here the biggest scoundrel anyone has ever met. I'm here to tell you this, that before this day is over, you're going to have a chance to plug into the power of God, which is salvation. You know, and you may not understand what I'm talking about, because when you plug into this thing, it releases purpose. And when you read through the gospel, which we're going to talk a lot about today, because it says I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the power of God. We're going to resort back to a lot of parts of the gospel. And when I'm reading through the gospels, one of the greatest stories that shows this principle of the power of salvation is through the life of a man named Zacchaeus. wanted you there. Everyone was looking at you, and they knew that you didn't belong there. That you was unloved, unworthy, unwanted. That was my everyday life. No one talked to me. No one smiled at me. They whispered behind my back. They cursed me as I walked away. And they had every reason to. I was public enemy number one. I didn't want anything from them except for their money. I wanted whatever I could get from them that would help me. And it didn't matter if it hurt them. But one day, that all changed forever. I had never met him, but I had heard him. The city was buzzing. And the streets was talking about the news. Jesus is coming to Jericho. Every time I heard that name, my heart was filled with such wonder at that name. Jesus. If God saved you, then he can save them too. And this is what it says in Hebrews ten nineteen. It says, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and without hesitation. You know, it's a lot like the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. And the people stood around with their stones. And they would have already stoned her except they wanted to catch Jesus and, uh, and trick Jesus. So they brought her to Jesus. And Jesus looked at all of them and he said, Whoever has no sin in your life, go ahead. And no one could do it. And it, they were, she was surrounded by the most holy people of the day. But they knew that there was something in their life. We all know that there is something in our life. But the power of the cross is the power to forgive. Just like that woman... Jesus is looking at us today and saying, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. No, please have mercy on me. Stop, please, please. But you're wondering if I was that woman, right? The one that he saved that day. 
when I was there. I remember that day. I remember those people that were screaming in anger and hatred with stones in their hands, ready to kill this woman. You see, she was caught in an adulterous act. And by law, her punishment was death. She had no hope. She had no mercy. But then there was this man that everybody was talking about that showed up. And they threw this woman at his feet. They said, what do you want to do with her? We should stone her. The law says we should stone her to death. That man, he just stood down and he started to write. <laughs> I looked over. I tried to read it, but um, I can't read. So he looked up and he stood up and he said, If any of you are without sin, you be the first one to throw the stone. And then he bent back down and started writing again. Then I saw these people started to drop their stones and they all left until it was just this woman and that man. And he looked at her eyes like he was looking into her soul. <laughs> and she was instantly covered in shame. Her hair was disheveled and her lips were red. She still had that sweat of the adulterous act on her. But he said, Woman, has no one condemned you? Where are they? She looks around. <laughs> she says, No one, sir, not one. And he says, Well, neither do I condemn you. So she started to walk away. She didn't understand who this man was, this man that had pardoned her and gave her compassionate grace and mercy she didn't know she didn't know it was Jesus so she started to walk away and he said go and sin no more and she left no that wasn't me that wasn't me anymore because that girl is dead and this new girl lives today <laughs>
I needed to go and honor him. He needed to know that there are people like me, the low lives, the judged, the sinners, that I loved him, that we loved him, and he needed to know that. I had walked that neighborhood so many times, but it was always at night. It was through the back door, cloaked in shadows. I wasn't wanted. But I walked through that neighborhood in broad daylight, and I felt their stares. I could feel them judging me, wondering, why is she walking through here? And they're right. I didn't belong. But I knew I needed to see Jesus. then I was, I thought, what if he didn't want to see me? I wasn't worthy. So I walked through that neighborhood. I had gone so far. I clenched so tightly in my hand that alabaster jar of oil. I got up to the door and immediately when I walked in, I could see their stares. They were staring at me, embarrassed. Wondering why I was there. I had never seen Jesus before, but he was the only one in that room that looked different. As soon as I saw his face, he smiled at me. I saw compassion. I saw a welcoming, his grace, and I fell to the floor. I was crying. I was weeping. I have not cried in years. My life was so hardened, but I had seen Jesus. He was there, and I was crying. I was weeping. His feet were wet with my tears. I had nothing on me. I used my hair to clean his feet. I kissed his feet over and over and over. Then I remembered that jar. That jar. I broke it. I didn't care the cost. I needed to honor Jesus, and I did. I honored him. I poured it all over his feet. That room smelled of perfume. And then I realized, oh, gosh, my tears had dried up. I didn't think this through. These men looking at me, whispering, harlot, homewrecker, sinner. They knew. Yeah, they knew. I peeked up at Jesus. I was scared because obviously he knew. But he smiled at me. He smiled at me. He stood up. And he looked at those men and he simply said, there was two men that owed money to a lender. One was a big debt, one was a small debt. And that lender forgave both. So who would love more, the small debt or the bigger debt? And I realized that was me. I was the bigger debt. I was forgiven. And I walked out of that room safe, forgiven. And loved. Tell you, there's power in the cross. You know, we've talked about salvation. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about purpose. And a lot of times, the enemy can convince people that, well, I've been saved. I've been forgiven. I have purpose. And then we don't understand we still need the power of the cross. There's a power that this cross has that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when he showed up, 
He represented, I believe, every miracle that was performed on the earth in Jesus's days was to show us that God or the will of God or the hand of God could do and be at work in our lives. And this next power of the cross, I have to depend on daily. It's called the power in the storm. Because I don't know about you, but there'll be days I'll wake up and my marriage will be in a storm. Just like in the storm seas that Jesus, the Bible talks about and represents in Mark chapter 4, the seas began to crash and then the waves began to come. And as the seas and the waves come, the Bible says the disciples got so afraid, they thought that they would perish in the middle of this storm. It says they would begin to fear for their life. I don't know about you. There's been days I've been so afraid my marriage wouldn't make it to the end of that day. There's been days that in my finances, I would think there would be no way I'm going to make it to the end of the month. There would be storms in my health. There's no way I'm going to make it to the end of the year. Or there'd be storms in our kids. There'd be no way they're going to make it to the end of school. And we would see these storms that the enemy would bring about. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, there came a great temptress against the boat. The devil sends storms into each and every one of our lives. But I love that the power of the cross says I have power in the middle of a storm. I want to read a scripture to you real quick. Mark chapter 4 verse 39 says this. It says, then he arose and rebuked the wind. Let's drop back just a little bit. The Bible says that Jesus walked and told the disciples, get into the boat. Let's go to the other side. And as they went to the other side, this says there were many little boats with them. And then a great storm came upon them. And the disciples began to be so afraid that they thought they were to die. And it says, and Jesus was asleep at the stern of the boat. I love that even though Jesus was in the middle of a storm, there was not a storm in the middle of Jesus. You might be here today say, Cricket, there's a storm in my marriage, there's a storm in my health, there's a storm in my kids and my finances at my work. But I can tell you this, Jesus brings peace to storms. And this is what it says. It says that, it says, and so he rose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I'm here to tell you. I don't care how big of a storm you're in today. Jesus has the power to bring peace into your situation. But what if he don't? I love that the power of the cross doesn't just tell that God's involved in storms that stop. There's another story that Bible says when the disciples were in a boat and they were going to the other side. Now, going back to Mark chapter four, do you know there was only one boat? They got to the other side, although it said many left. And it was the one that had Jesus in the middle of that boat. There's power in the gospel of Jesus. But then the Bible says there was disciples in another storm. But Jesus was not in the boat this time, the Bible says. It says he was up on a hill looking down, watching them toil. Have you ever been there? In the middle of a storm, and it looked like Jesus was watching, but he wasn't working. Or he was watching, and he wasn't moving. Or he was watching, and he wasn't speaking. And this is what the Bible says. It says, it's found in Matthew chapter 14, 
Bible says that Jesus, in the middle of the storm, the, the disciples were so afraid they thought they were dying. And then they looked up and they saw someone coming. Let me read this. It says, Mike, Matthew 14, verse 27. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They were in the middle of this storm, thought it was going to kill them. Thought they would not survive. And the Bible says that Jesus came walking toward them. And when they saw Jesus, you know, many of them were fishermen. And you know how fishermen go? They spent years and days on the sea. And, you know, the folklores and things. They thought they, had, they were seeing a ghost is what the one translation says. They thought the great reaper, the grand reaper is coming to get them. They thought it was over for them. So they were greatly troubled. And then it says they recognized that it was Jesus. I want you to know something. If you're in the middle of a storm today, you need to look around and you can recognize that Jesus is in this thing with you, even though you may feel like he's watching from afar. And this is what the Bible says. It says, and he walked on water to them. He would have passed them by, it says, had they not begun to cry out. What does this mean? What, why would Jesus walk on water? I believe that Jesus walked on water to show us this. That the things that come against us in the natural, Jesus has the power to walk over those things, even in the supernatural. And he called out of that boat. Peter said, let me walk with you. Peter stepped out of the boat and walked the very thing that was going to kill them, the very thing that was going to overtake them, the very thing that was going to drown them. God gave Peter the power to walk on top of because there is power in the middle of your storm. And Jesus is still the same yesterday, today. And forever. Anything he's ever done in the Bible, he can still do today. And he desires to continue to do for you in the future. You need to understand that there is power of the cross, even in the middle of your storm. He will either calm your sea or he will cause you to walk above what the enemy has sent to destroy you. Amen. There is power in the cross. So we're going to talk about that. But, you know, that's really best seen. And a young lady that went and sat by a well one day that was in the middle of a storm, in the middle of her life, but she met Jesus. I'm a woman of no distinction of little importance. I'm a woman of no reputation, save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast your judgmental glances, but you don't take the time to look at me or get to know me. To be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. And otherwise, what is the point of doing any of it in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look me in my face and see more than just two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears. But to see all of me and all that I could be. All of my hopes, loves, fear. But that's too much to pray for, to ask for. So I don't. Not anymore. I just keep it to myself. And by that, I mean the pain. The pain that keeps me inside my own private jail. The pain that has brought me here at midday to this well. 
To ask of a drink is no big deal. But to ask it from me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning. But as I see, you'd condemn me now, but you don't. You are a man of no distinction, but of the utmost importance. You are a man of, of a little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and you tell me to my face what all those glances was about. You take the time to look at me, but you don't need to get to know me. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and you know me. You know all of me. You know everything about me. Every hair from the top of my head. Every hope. Every dread. All of my past and future. You know all about me. You know everything about me. You tell me everything. You tell me about me. That which has been spoken coming from another may bring hate and condemnation. But coming from you, it brings love. Mercy, grace, hope, salvation. I have heard of one to come to save a wrench like me. Now standing here in my presence, you say I am he. To be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you. But I want to get to, this is way too much. This is just way too much for me. There's others. There's others that needs to know you. There's brothers, sisters, mothers, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, the saints and the sinners who need to know, who need to see what you have shown me, who need to hear what you have told me, who need to taste what you have gave me. And who needs to forgive how you forgave me. To be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. They all need it. We all do. We need it for our own. <laughs> Tell you, the power of the cross is one of those Energizer Bunny commercials that Keeps giving power and keeps giving power. Another power available to us at the cross is the power of healing. A lot of people want to say that this power has gone to rest or is no longer available to us anymore. But if Jesus ever was able to do it, because it says, I will never change. I'm the same yesterday. The miracles that he performed yesterday... I am the same today, He can still do today. And it says, I am the same forever. He can continue to heal you. No matter what affliction, no matter what sickness. And the power of the gospel is this. The Bible says, by His stripes, 
we were healed. 39 stripes on Jesus' back. They whipped him 39 times with the cat of nine's tails. It's no coincidence there are 39 diseases known to man on the planet. Because for every stripe, healing is available. And while Jesus walked, you need to understand just because he has it, doesn't mean you get it. Let's turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 17. And it said this, Now it happened on a certain day. As he was teaching, there were there that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. It says, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now check out what this says. It says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. I want you to understand something. We serve a miracle working God. He saves, He forgives, He gives purpose. He calms storms. He causes you to walk above what the enemy has sent to destroy you. But he also releases the power of healing. And it's as relevant today as it was the day that he was there and people missed it. Do you know when he taught that day? It says the power of healing, the power of God to heal them all was present. But you know, no one sitting in that house got it. But there were four men, the Bible says, that had a friend that desperately needed healing. He was lame and on a bed. And the Bible says they climbed to a roof and they tore the roof off. And they lowered their friend that was desperate in need of the power of healing. And when he came before the Lord, God used the power that was present there. When all that were there, it was available to. But the one that came longing, needing, and asking for it received it. You know, I'm here to tell you this. Cancer is not too big for God. Here to tell you this, COVID's not too big for God. Want to know mental illness, physical, mental, sickness, financial, whatever ills you in your life, the name of Jesus has the power to heal. And there's no sense in us staying sick. There's no sense. The Bible says there was a young lady that had been sick for 12 years. And she did what I do a lot of times. She went to every doctor trying to find the answer. She went to get counsel from everyone she could. And the Bible says she was no better off. She was still just as sick. But then she realized, the Bible says she heard that Jesus was passing by. So she said to herself, if I can only touch but the hem of his garment. And the Bible says she got up. And I love it because her actions show us Romans 1.16 works. It says she pressed through the crowd. She decided, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. For it is the power of God to save, to forgive, to heal, to set free, to deliver, to give purpose, to open blind eyes. And the Bible says when she reached down and touched him, It wasn't that there was a lack of power in her life. Because you would have thought Jesus would have stepped back and said, My power has now healed you. It wasn't. The Bible said that Jesus looked at her and said, Your faith, your actions, your belief is what has delivered the power that I carry into your life. I'm here to tell you, if you're suffering from any kind of sickness, the power of the cross is still a power that heals in the name of Jesus.
It still shocks me as I look into the mirror, the reflection looking back at me. Same hands, same face, the same body, but a different man. I was walking down the road of destruction when I first met Jesus. And since then, my life has never been the same. And before I met Jesus, I had the life. I was rich. I was popular. But now, I see that those things were just fruitless. And my fruitless living, as I look back over my life, the things that I was doing, the way I was living, when I thought that I was one of the highest, holier than thou, but now that I've met Jesus, and he breathed life into this empty tomb of a man, now as I look into the mirror, I see the same hands, same body, but a different man. A man now that was blinded. But now, since I met Jesus, I see God's grace clearly now. In fact, since I met Jesus, this man is so different now that he needs a new name. No longer Saul, because he's dead. Now Paul, because now Paul sees his faith through new eyes. So no longer Saul, my name is Paul. Chief among sinners. But the power of the cross says this. That Jesus forgave, he saved, he can heal, he can deliver, he can transform. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus died on the cross? But I'm here to tell you, his power didn't stop at the cross. For three days, he laid in a tomb. His body was lifeless. And he was completely dead. But the story of the gospel isn't just the power of the cross. The story of the gospel is the power of the tomb. That couldn't hold him back. When three days later, he walked out living and being more than he ever was before. I read an article this week about a doctor that had given his life to the Lord. And he had now become a Christian and he has spent the last several years basically what they call studying the crucifixion of Jesus. And what he did was he finally gave out an official death certificate for Jesus Christ. In the death certificate, it gave cause of death. And they went through the details we know of the cross and Jesus died of a lack of blood. 
his body had bled out to the point that that would have been the cost of his life. I love it that Jesus didn't didn't spare one drop of blood that it would take to release power for me to be all that God's destiny created me to be. They go on and begin to tell in the article that... I'm sorry, my phone is talking to somebody. Went on to talk about why water and blood flowed and the condition the body would have been in when they took it off the cross. The condition of the body was so bad that the Bible says that it didn't even look human anymore. It appeared to be a dog. The, the stripes that he took on his back would have removed the skin. The beating beaten to his face by the soldiers would have swollen his face to a point. The crown of thorns on his head would have disfigured. So when they took the body off the cross, it no longer would have looked like Jesus. But it looked like a mutilated piece of meat. And that's what they wrapped and that's what they put inside of a dark tomb. But then in that tomb, it wasn't the blood of Jesus that brought him back to life again. That was all shed for me and you. The Bible says that in that tomb, though, something began to fill that space. I want to read this to you. And to me, of all the powers that the cross has given, I'm so grateful. But the one that Jesus said was worth it all and was better for me and you was the one found here in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, that Paul penned himself. That was once Saul, but now became Paul. He said this, But if the Spirit of whom has raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, this story begins to change. He says, I did what I did on the cross so that this power is available to you. But I'm not done working in your life if you will let me be a part. It says, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. The power of the cross is an amazing story for us to celebrate here on Easter. But my favorite part of Easter is this. Yes, there's power in the cross, but there's also power in the resurrection. And the power of the resurrection says this, that which was dead can now be alive again. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available for you and available for me. You say, Cricket, I'm not dead yet. Or do you have any dreams that has passed away or the enemy or sin has stolen? Do you have any hopes? Do you have relationships? Do you have children that the enemy has come in and stolen your dreams for their future? I want to tell you, the Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has even entered into the thought of man the good things that God has in store for those who love Him. Yes, Easter happened over 2,200 years ago, but I'm here to tell you this. Resurrection is still happening today. God is still doing things today. God is still saving marriages today. God's resurrecting dreams today. God's bringing children back to the knowledge of God today. He causes dead things to live again. He can resurrect whatever the enemy has tried to convince you is gone. Because it's the same Spirit. It wasn't His blood. That's what was shed. But it says it's the Spirit that He said, I must go that I can leave. Because it's better for you. 
that I go so that He can dwell here among you. I love how the Scripture says, I am not ashamed of the Gospel. I'm here to tell you, I'm not ashamed that I need Jesus in my life. I'm not ashamed that I need Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in me every day. You know, there's a, there's a thought pattern that a lot of times we can walk with the Lord for so long that the enemy will try to sneak in with some, some shame thinking that, you know what? If people really knew that I still mess up, if people really knew that I'm not all together, if people really knew that I still got problems and issues, then they would pull back and they wouldn't see what God is doing in me. I tell you, I'm the, I'm the living proof that God is still doing the work of the cross and the resurrection. If you don't believe me, you can ask Jennifer. She's so glad I'm not the same guy she married. And... I get to keep telling her I'm not the guy I'm going to end up being. You just give God enough time and He's causing these things in my life to come together and work out. But I'm not ashamed of that. not ashamed that God and the power of the gospel is at work in me. And you may be here today and say, Cricket, I need help in my situation. I need help in my family. I need healing in my life. I need forgiveness for things. I need to be saved. I want to give you a chance to receive and allow the power of the cross and the life of His resurrection to be released into your life. But let me warn you, you got to decide I'm not ashamed of it. To not to be ashamed of the gospel, you've got to decide I'm not ashamed that I need it. And I'm here to tell you I'm so thankful that I have it. That I'm not ashamed that I need it. And I will need it the rest of my life. So I want to do altar calls here today. And on Easter, you say, Cricket, this is a hard altar call. I know, but the Spirit of the Lord gave us the word this year. That if you'll stand up for Him, He's going to stand up for you. And if you truly want the power of God at work in your life, you're going to have to take on the spirit of boldness and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If you're here today and you need salvation, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to put it off. I want you to jump to your feet real quick and accept the power of the cross right now. If you say, I need to be saved today. Cricket, I need to give my heart to the Lord. I need to get right with Him right now. Let's pray. Father God, I ask you right now. Lord, Your Word says that if we will confess with our mouth, just confess and say, Lord, You are my Lord. Will You be Lord of my life? I believe You died. And rose again for me on the third day. And today I make the commitment to serve you. I ask you to forgive me for the years that I've walked my way. But I ask you to take the ones that I have left and use them and empower them and send your power into them in the name of Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you're saved. Now you may be here and you say, Cricket, I need to be forgiven. I've been saved, but man, I sure haven't been living like it. And I need God to forgive me. First John 1 9 says this if we'll confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you say, Cricket, I need to be forgiven, just raise your hand and say, Father, I ask you to forgive me. Release your power of forgiveness into my life. Forgive me for the things that I know I shouldn't have done. And the things that I didn't know, but I did anyway. I ask you to forgive me for anything that separates me from you. 
I want you to raise the other hand saying, I forgive anyone that has done anything to me. I release them into your hands right now in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're here and you say, Cricket, I need the power of healing into my life. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, if there be any sick among you. Now, this is where some people on Easter may get weird, but I'm just going to tell you what the word says. We say, if there be any sick among you, let them come and call the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, and pray the prayer of faith, and they shall be healed. Not maybe. Jennifer, join me. Roger, other prayer leaders, if you will. Sister Bachelor, let's come up. I want to give on this Easter Sunday morning the God and the power of the gospel to heal any that are sick among us. So if you need supernatural healing, come up right now. Let our prayer team do what the Word of God says. Anoint you with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And we're going to see miracles take place here today. Amen. If you need the power, now you say, forget it. I'm too embarrassed. You don't need to be afraid. The Bible says, I am not ashamed. We can keep some over here. Keep some to Sister Basha. Sister Basha, come up over here. We're going to separate the crowd. All right. If you don't be ashamed, don't be ashamed. We're going to anoint with oil. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. Here you go, Sister Basha. Here's oil for this side. People coming up. Okay, you got some. All right, share the oil. Share the oil. All right. Praise God. I want to pray. And one more thing. If you're here and you say cricket, and I'm on this mission. I know it's easier. You say cricket. There are dead things in my life that I need God to resurrect. I want to pray with you right now. Just simply raise your hand and ask God to release resurrecting power in your life. Over your dreams, over your finances, over your job. We speak life, not death. We declare health and healing. And Father, just like you called Lazarus out of the tomb, I think you are calling each person by name out of the situation that the enemy has tried to entomb them in. We thank you for supernatural resurrection power released over all of those that are facing dire situations in the name of Jesus. Amen.